Can I start? Okay. Can I start? Yeah. Woo! I need the backing up vocals, though. Drop the beat. <laughs> okay, okay. Welcome to Off Book, a podcast from The Young Vic, where we have conversations with creatives who have recently inspired us with their work here. Hi, I'm Christine Ashenbong, and today I'm joined by Nancy Medina, the Genesis Future Director Award winner and director of Yellowman in The Young Vic's Claire Studio. So, Nancy, I know you are from Brooklyn, and you currently live in Bristol um, with your t- husband, the two of the cutest little baby boys I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, can you fill us in on the in-between? What, what brought you to the UK? Uh, well, actually, it was, it was my husband. Uh, so he's a sound designer, and he works quite a lot for BBC Natural History and, and those kind of programs, which is why we're based in Bristol. Very cool. And so can you take us through your background, your training, um, what it was like to grow up in New York and what, what, how you caught the theater bug? Okay. Uh, well, New York is one of the best places to grow up in, and every New Yorker will say that because we're really full of ourselves in that sense. <laughs> but no, it really is because there's just so much available and so many different types of things. You know, whatever you're interested in, you will find in New York. And um, going to school there, you you get exposed to just amazing ballet, amazing art, amazing theater, because it all comes to New York. All of the international stuff comes there. And a lot of really amazing stuff is made Mm. there as well. So when I was younger, we always did school trips and we always went to Broadway. And I remember two distinct shows that just kind of um, made me really fall in love with the magic of theater and and kind of um, forgetting yourself and just really being in this world. And one of them uh, was Meet Me in St. Louis, a musical. And the reason, I'm not even (laughs) that much into musicals, but the reason why that show really sticks in my mind was because it was the first time I'd ever really kind of seen like revolving sets. And all of a sudden there's a huge carousel on stage and then all of a sudden there's something else. And it was just, it was just a big spectacular event. And everyone was dressed up. It was back in the days when people used to dress up to go to the theater. And I still kind of do every once in a while (laughs) because I think it's a special thing. And then the other play is, um, uh, was a straight play, which was Neil Simon's uh, Lost in Yonkers and actually had Lucy Arnaz in it, who's Lucille Balls and Desi Arnaz's uh, daughter. And it was just amazing. It was like the story is fantastic. And again, I was just able to really kind of fall in love with this world that was not my own, but I completely believed in it. Mm-hmm. And so you, let's going back a little bit, you spoke about that was your first theatrical experience and you really loved it. And you've talked about how New York is a hotbed for culture and everything kind of comes through. So why theater? What what was it? Why not fashion? Why not film? Um, well, funny enough, I was really interested in film later on and when I was in high school and I actually decided I wanted to go to college and study film because I was really obsessed with the, the film uh, Taxi Driver and I really <laughs> kind of wanted to be like a female Latina Martin Scorsese kind of thing. But what I realized was that, one, I didn't really like the way that industry worked. Okay. Um, and theater for me allowed, uh, it's a place where humans really work and you really see the humanity in people and also the energy that you get from the audience and that interaction with the actors. You can't really simulate that anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I mean, potentially, obviously, yes, in music and in concerts, there's a connection between the performer and the audience. But when you're telling a story in theater and it's live, like you really do feed off of the energy of the audience. An audience can totally change your performance. And that, to me, is really exciting, and it's a really exciting space to work in. I love that. That's Yeah, the energy is why. Mm, it is. Makes sense. Um, so you've had 
significant experience directing in theater. Um, can you, is there something like a common theme between everything that you've directed? Um, <laughs> probably that most things do make people cry. <laughs> I really do like sad stuff. I mean, it's not always just the sad stuff. It's just really challenging materials. It's material uh, about people that we normally don't get to interact with mm-hmm. on a deep level, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of uh, issues that are just so hard and so complex to talk about that most of the time we kind of brush them under the rug. And I love to put that on stage because... Those people are, matter. Um, they're important. I want to tell their stories, and I feel that audiences should connect. Even if it's for a few hours, they should connect with something that's really difficult to talk about and to deal with, um, even if it's for those few moments. And it's, and it's cathartic. You know, it's, um, it's healing to be able to, to talk about really difficult uh, subjects and, and see people's pain and suffering Um, so it's not that all my shows are really sad but but they usually deal with really complex people I really love complex people and putting that on stage yeah (laughs) okay makes sense Um, so when you first saw the Genesis Future Director Award opportunity come up I know you have a funny story about when you applied. <laughs> Can you tell our well, listeners about that? Well, it was a crazy story because I just had my my second son. You know, I think I was like 10 days after having my second son. And, you know, you read the emails and stuff. And I wasn't really going to apply because I wasn't, I, you know, I was in the mind of, you know, taking care of my newborn. Of course. But I saw Yellow Man was on the list of plays. Um, and it's been a play that I've known for a long, long time. Uh, probably since about 2003, 2004, I've known the play. I'd never seen it staged, but I'd read it. Mm-hmm. And it was a play that blew my mind when I read it because mm-hmm. I'd never read anything like it that talked so openly and honestly about colorism mm-hmm. and different types of generational trauma, like things that I had thought about in my head but hadn't articulated in such an eloquent way as mm-hmm. it is in the play. So it's always stayed with me. So as soon as I saw Yellow Man there, I was like, what? Well, wait a second. It's a sign. <laughs> Hormones and all. I went and I, <laughs> and I did my application and I wrote my response. And then there were a few different phases of, of kind of interviews. And Yeah, can you take us through the process for people that don't uh, know? Yeah, so you do a, a lightning talk, okay. uh, which is a, a PowerPoint. And so you, I think it was like 10 slides and you have to talk 15 seconds per slide. Mm. And... In those 10 slides, you have to cover who you are, okay. your past work, uh-huh. and your response to the play. Okay. And so that, that meeting, actually, I wasn't able to go because my, my newborn had gotten sick, so I was in the hospital with uh-huh. him. So I sent the PowerPoint, and they were great, and they just let me record it. And then it was amazing because I still made it to the next round, mm-hmm. and then I had to come and do the PowerPoint mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then be interviewed um, uh, by a big panel. Do you remember who was on the people. panel? Yes. <laughs> uh, it was Sue Emma's and it was Daisy. And Daisy Heath, who's our lead producer. Yes. Um, and Harriet from Genesis yes. and David Lan. Not intimidating at all. No. <laughs> I mean, no, now I know them all. They're just yeah. really wonderful, sweet people, but they were really intimidating that day. <laughs> I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. But of course you did well because you're here speaking with me and staging Yellow Man, which is just about to close. So it's yeah. been on for about seven or eight performances so far. Mm-hmm. And can you can you tell us what it's about and why you chose that out of the, I guess there was three or four plays that you could choose yeah. from? Um, one, I think... I, th- I think it's really important with all these type of uh, awards and competitions that you don't just read all the plays that they've put out there and try and 
apply for it. I think you should have some real connection to the kind of work that you want to make. And that was what was excellent about this opportunity because it was already on my to-do list, this mm. play, and I knew I had to do it at some point. Amazing I get to do it here. Uh, so this play um, takes place in South Carolina, and it spans over about 30 years in the life of Alma and Eugene. So we follow them from age 7 to about their early 40s. And it's about you know different things in their life that have shaped who they are, um, colorism being uh, the biggest theme in the play, mm-hmm. as Eugene is light-skinned uh, black male and Alma is a large, dark-skinned female. And we look at generational abuse and trauma, so we're looking at things that are passed down from parent to child. We're looking back at um, kind of generations of of black inferiority, of a slave mentality, things that still keep us oppressed, you know. Mm-hmm. The idea that we need to decolonize our mind is very present in this play. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to understand our past in order to understand where we are and hopefully find some kind of path to the future. Um, we look at a, quite a lot of different types of abuse, uh, substance abuse, alcohol abuse is huge in the play. We're also looking at physical and emotional abuse. Um, and it's heavy. It's yeah. really heavy. It's really heavy. But I hope, you know, what we can kind of gain from the play is not so much a judgment of these people, but a true empathy that they're all damaged. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if this cycle continues because they don't get the support that they need mm-hmm. to actually um, heal mm-hmm. from their damage, yeah. from, you know, everything that happened in their childhood, yeah. they pass it on to their children. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a heavy play. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I think one of the best parts about this play is that it is written by someone who's still living, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's always very rare to have such a great, yeah. um, I don't want to say historical play, but a play that um, does, you know, take place way back when. Not yeah. too, not too, not too much in the past, but um, of course, Dale, is it Dale or Dale? Dale. Dale, Dale. Yeah. Dale is a one fantastic writer. Um, did you get a chance to speak with her before actually staging it? I did. And just to say on, on what you were just saying, yeah. like I really do think this play is like a modern classic. I okay. hope that it gets done again and again mm. and 20 this years This is the now. first time it's been performed in London for about 10 years, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it is. Um, but I do hope that it gets done it again and yeah. again. I know that they do it quite a lot regionally in America. Right. But um, but it's, it's just a wonderful play. Mm-hmm. So I met Dale... Um, in September. Oh, you actually met her? Yeah, I met her. Wow. Yeah. I was, um, I went to New York for a wedding, uh-huh. and it was a real quick, you know, four days in New York kind of right. thing. One of my best friends was getting married, and so I'd been in contact with her, and I was like, hey, if there's an, any chance, you know, I'm going to be in New York, mm-hmm. and she was really cool. Oh, that's amazing. And we met up in the East Village, which is where she lives, and it's in one of her favorite restaurants, and then we kind of like, we sat and talked for like two, three hours. It was wow. great. Um, she was very open, and and just really supportive yeah. of the production and mm-hmm. talked to me about kind of like new stuff that she's working on as well. That's crazy. Because wow. I'd seen her like two years, because I'd never saw Yellow Man stage and I never saw her in it because she actually originated the role of Alma. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so she was in it okay. um, when they first did it in Long, Long Wharf and then I think it went to Manhattan Theatre mm-hmm. Club. Uh, oh my God. The, I'm not sure about those theaters, <laughs> but I think, I think they sound right. It's fine. Um, and so two years ago, in 2015, when I was back home in New York, 
I'd actually gone to uh, the New York Theater Workshop and saw her play Forever, mm-hmm. which she was in, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was really good as well. And so it was really exciting because I was able to tell her, like, yeah, two I've years ago you, I yeah. went to go see you. And, yeah. It's very serendipitous. It's so crazy. <laughs> and did she give you any tips or was she – obviously she was very encouraging, but did she give you any tips on how to stage her or um, well, you know, they, insight into her? Well, it was really funny because I was armed with these great questions. Yeah. Um, that my mentor Sasha Wears, you know, helped me out with. Uh-huh. At least, you know, when I told her that I was going to be meeting her, and one of the questions was, um, "Where do you find the comedy and the laughter in the mm-hmm. play?" And that was a really good one mm-hmm. um, because it was it was able, to, you know, I could really see her kind of like reflecting back on the performances yeah. and all these things. So when we sat down and talked way back when, when we first met, um, I think it was in maybe March. March, April, when you had just won the award, mm-hmm. or not actually, but after you won the award, yeah. um, uh, you talked about how you were looking to cast um, mm-hmm. not only people that were physically um, similar to the characters, but also that can just embody like the humanity and mm. um, the personalities of all of the characters. So when you and Julia were, were doing casting, what was going through your mind and, and why did you decide to choose the actors that you did? Um, I saw lots of really great actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them were really young. Okay. And I really wanted to stay close to what the age Got they should be mm-hmm. was. Um, and so when Chris and Nicola came in, I just thought, yes, you're great. Yeah. And actually... They with, are great. They really are. And with both of them, I just I could kind of see past their audition to what I felt that they were capable of. Mm-hmm. Like... I remember Nicola's reading. There was just kind of like this, this kind of like bitterness, okay, <laughs> which no, nobody else had, which yeah. was amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really interesting, you know. And 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 Chris as well, you know, because wh- how I audition is I really like to work with the actors, mm-hmm. and it's not just so I can like audition them, but they can audition me. Of course, like, if, if you don't really like what I'm doing, yeah. Then we have a problem. This is kind of the way I work. It's gonna be a long. So it was really process. great that both of them were so open, mm-hmm. um, and I and I could tell that they hadn't really kind of they don't really do the things I was doing, mm-hmm. and it was um, just really great how open they were, mm-hmm. and I really liked their energy, and I just thought it was so easy to have conversations yeah. with them that completely went to, to some really uncomfortable racial things, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted because I felt that my rehearsal room really needed to be as open and honest mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even now, I really feel like we should have had more rehearsal just to talk about the context of the freaking play. Right. Because there's just so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, we got to stop talking now. We got to start I rehearsing. Know, exactly. What we was the rehearsal room like? I know the energy was very high, but what was it like? What would you oh, kind of do to get them into character and get them into the mood of the play? Because it is heavy, but there are comedic moments where people, you know, I've seen it maybe three times already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people actually burst out loud just because it's the timing and the yeah, comedian. Yeah. yeah the, the comedic elements are really, really strong. I mean, we worked very heavily on the text because, uh, you know, it is like one epic poem. And the way that Dale writes as well, she's got like these like forward slashes in Mm -hmm. there and these uh, other hyphens and things. And just kind of trying to decipher what the rhythm of of the play was. Because once we like keyed into the rhythm, then we started kind of understanding what the delivery needed to be. Right. Because this isn't a normal play where the two characters are interacting with each other, which is my normal type of play. Because mm-hmm. I do lots of Meisner stuff, and my my work um, deals a lot with kind of reading um, the actor's behavior and their their relationships, where this is so the opposite. Right. This is like two one-person shows yes. together. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, the, you know, going back to the text was always so helpful um, and, and that just an analysis of the text always kind of kept us grounded on what we needed to do um, and how to find these characters. And really key for me was that this isn't the Alma and Eugene play. Mm -hmm. It was everybody. Mm -hmm. Like everybody had to be fully lived and we needed to commit to all the characters um, and we needed to ha make sure that each character had a journey right. throughout. So, for instance, you know, with like Adelia, like she's got a journey with how her um, dependency on alcohol mm -hmm. gets worse and worse throughout the, the play. And Adelia is Eugene's mother? Or is no, it's Alma's, Alma's mom. Alma's, right. And, you know, we wanted to make that clear right. that actually there's a, there's a turning point for her. Right. There's a turning point. And then progressively in each part, she just gets worse and worse because now she's no longer just drinking on a Friday. Right. She's drinking every day by mm -hmm. the end of the play. Mm -hmm. And with, with Thelma as well, um, Eugene's mom, mm -hmm. she started out as a heavy drinker and just, oh, there's just so much. It's just like every character had to have... A journey from for us. It was really important in telling the story. Right, and I think the story was told so well. And I th I think the strength of the play um, and the sign of the, the fact that it's perfectly directed, in my opinion, <laughs> is that when the characters change, it's so seamless. You know that they're playing someone else because it's just clear in their mannerisms and their facial mm -hmm. expressions. So I think it's can be really tricky sometimes, can't it? That that was that was definitely difficult, especially at first, because it was kind of getting getting the right amount of transition mm -hmm. between the characters. Because mm -hmm. I really wanted it to be completely fluid, but in order to have that, we needed to go really big and then pare things down. Mm -hmm. So it's even kind of like when they're children at the beginning, I let them really go really big, yes, really yeah. crazy little yeah. kids, and then we kind of made it more naturalistic and more naturalistic and brought right. them to more. And and also with the kids is because these kids are growing up in a war zone. So they're right. not going to be general, very sweet, you know, n you know, whatever, kid kids. Yeah. They are actually kids that are traumatized in a certain way. And right. then you know that they are going to behave a bit older because right. they've, been, they've gone through things. Right. So it was that. It was actually really kind of pairing everything back until we just get... They, they know their characters so well that they can easily then transition into the next. And also the voice work that they did yeah. with Joel Trill was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Because I think... I mean, I'm, I know I've seen the show quite a few times, yeah. but I feel like it's really easy to tell when they switch. Exactly, know, yeah. What was shocking for me is when when I was talking to them later in the bar and their, their British accents. Like, You're not American? <laughs> I know, it's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, the voice work is amazing, amazing. Okay, so we've covered Genesis, casting, the rehearsal. We've covered you. Mm. Let's talk about some of, let's talk about some of the, the heavier things in Yellow Man. Mm -hmm. um, so... In staging this play, were you compelled to look at your own ancestry or look mm -hmm. at um, the legacy of slavery in a different way? Um, I think that that's a topic I look at in a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, not every work that I do because I do all types of different right. shows. I do Shakespeare. I do all that kind of stuff as well. But the plays that I really feel very passionate about always have something to do with that and have mm -hmm. to do with identity and looking back. Um, I think as you know, children of the diaspora, we're constantly looking for any bit of ourselves in mm -hmm. today's society. And it's actually really sad how hard it is to find it. Right. You know, whereas this play, I feel, I feel this play is really about, it is really for people of color because we don't get to see ourselves and we don't get to actually spend the time mm -hmm. to unpick and, and, and see all the layers <laughs> that yeah. make us up. Yeah. And so it's really important for me to do that. 
Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm it's fine. Now. I was just lost in your answer. Uh, <laughs> I'm just rambling. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so there's a lot in the story, obviously, and um, you touch briefly on the fact that the colorism issue um, dates back way back. It's mm-hmm. not just it's not just black and white. It's not just recent. Um, it has to do with the legacy of slavery and mm. um, the way that slaves were treated. So mm. lighter slaves were often um, used for housework inside and darker mm. slaves were usually used in the fields. Yep. Um, so were you compelled yourself to look into your ancestry and look into your background and see do you know what your background is? Do you know? Um, so my family's from the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. and there aren't too many. I mean, I, I really want to do like a genealogy mm-hmm. test and all of that. Like a few years ago, quite quite a few years ago, my brother did some research because he's an artist. He's a glass blower, and mm-hmm. he was doing art based on um, carnival figures of the Dominican Republic yeah. and different places in Latin America. And when he was going across Dominican Republic, he found this like village, and there was this like medicine man. Yeah. And he was related to us, and we're like. And what they practiced was very much things that, you know, the Yoruba in Nigeria practiced. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our ties mm-hmm. that we know that we're most likely, yeah. you know, somewhere from Nigeria. Yeah. And then um, in Dominican Republic as well, there's quite a lot of indigenous Taino blood in us and mm-hmm. European blood and all of that good stuff. Um, and obviously Dominican Republic has its own relationship with slavery and the sugar plantations. And we're right next to Haiti. And so there's lots of stuff going on there. So for a really long time, I've always tried to kind of like read as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, my connection to American kind of uh, slavery and that historical context is because I was raised in America. Right. I actually went to an all black high school. Right. So like, <laughs> and I grew up, you know, reading Toni Morrison and James Baldwin. Yes. And so like, I, I've always felt really, really close to that history and um, and those stories, I don't think that any of us really, I think there's just so many narratives out there. And I, one of the things I think is the highlight of this play is that there are no white characters because mm-hmm. so easily the issue about race and history becomes a black and white issue right. and about how black people have been oppressed by white people. Uh-huh. And yes, that's in this play, yep. but it's about how that legacy has damaged us and it right. continues to damage us. And we're all still traumatized. We all still need to th- that support to be able to move on from this. Um, and sometimes it's just simplified in, in stories that have to just do with black and white mm-hmm. issues. And mm-hmm. that upsets me. Mm. I want to touch on something you said earlier about um, this play being for people of color. Mm. I think one of the, the great benefits of doing it at a theater like The Young Vic is that our audiences are so diverse, which yeah. is amazing. Um, as a woman of color director, do you feel like you have an obligation to tell these kind of stories to educate non-people of color? I don't feel it's an obligation. I feel it's a gift. Okay. I'm so happy to be able to to put this on the stage. Mm. Like, um, in that sense, I honor my ancestors and right. I honor my family. I honor their sacrifices and everything they've done for me to be able to have the voice I have mm-hmm. and to use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that. It's kind of like that idea. Like, I just... How it's not, it's not an obligation or duty. It's something that you want to do. Absolutely. Okay. Never feel like it's an obligation. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that I'm not the voice of everybody. Right. And I right. never will be. Right. I, I, you know, I got my own truth and my own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and... As one of the very few women of color directors directing in a, a London theater, a major London theater, I should say, um, do you feel like we're moving in the right direction in terms of diversity casting on stage and behind the scenes? 
Yes, um, I hope so. Mm. You know, I really hope so. I think it's, sometimes it's a really strange one because you can feel like you're just alone. Right. (laughs) And and just even in the play I saw earlier, it's just like one black person in in the play and it's just like, oh, okay, okay, that's great. But how does that feel for that person in rehearsal? (laughs) You know, how does that feel when they're the only one Mm And and that never really gets addressed. That never gets right. talked about. Right. And I tend to go to the theater a lot because I'm a theater junkie anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I just I really always feel like I'm like the one per- brown person in the theater. Uh-huh. Um, I think things change from the top right. down. I think that um, you know women in general and especially women of color really need to be at that table talking about what's being programmed mm-hmm. and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's just about casting. Mm-hmm. It's about directors, it's about producers, it's about artistic directors being much more diverse mm-hmm. because when you can think outside of your own world, you can actually then contact the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still I still feel that that's lacking. That's <laughs> to fair. To be honest, yeah. That's fair. Um, what advice do you have for aspiring um, creatives that not necessarily women of color, just people in color, uh, sorry, people of color in general, um, I guess it's hard because honestly, I've I've come to this uh, really late in my life, and for, uh, I'm again I'm not like everyone. I've got my own kind of journey and path. Mm-hmm. But finances have been a huge mm-hmm. barrier for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, not being able to be an artist that can be independent and fi- you know financially independent right. has really stalled my career in so many ways at so many times mm-hmm. where I've had to take a real job yes. because I just can't be a freelancer right now. And you know I've been really lucky that my husband's done really well in the yeah. last few years, and we've had kids, and and you know he's been able to support my projects. But theater doesn't pay very well; it right. really doesn't. And unless you've got that, fi- you know, that economic um, stability. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. So I don't want to say that every person of color is in that same situation, mm-hmm. but a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. And that that really needs, and that's not a racial thing. That's no. an economic thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you cr- encourage them to apply for awards like the Genesis Future Director yes, Awards? Yeah, and to, you know, especially like when I was coming up, you know, and, and doing my thing, and like I hardly knew anything about assistant. Mm-hmm positions mm-hmm. and that's what I think the young Vic does so well mm-hmm. is offer all these assistantships mm-hmm. like get assistantships get into these rooms because that's the other thing that I never had was that those connections right to the you know to making these. those early so that exactly yeah. um because I, I think I think every director will find their own way to directing I don't know if you necessarily learn that in the rehearsal room right but I think it's about knowing these people knowing who they are and then you're in the right circles and then you could be there the right time when an opportunity comes up and who knows what can happen. So I guess that would be my advice is to, yeah, get into some rehearsal rooms and assist. Okay, I like that. Mm. Um, jumping back, and I'm hoping that Leon can edit this so <laughs> it fits in with the rest of them. Sorry. <laughs> I, did have, <laughs> I did have an actual question about the play. Do you think that if um, the roles were reversed for Eugene and Alma, if Alma was a skinnier, lighter um, woman and Eugene was a heavier set, darker male do you think this would be the story would be similar or do you think the story would be as believable as as it is uh, as written I think it's I I think it would be very different because I think that lighter skinned women and this is a huge generalization benefit quite quite greatly Mm -hmm. from being light skinned Mm. 
And I think the issue that the play explores is also about masculinity. Right. It's the fact that Eugene, because he's light, is mm -hmm. considered a punk. He's not right. considered strong enough. Right. Um, I don't necessarily think that that would be attributed to a woman. Okay. Um, and I think that she would probably be able to move in the world in a very different way that Eugene is. Right. Um, but again, this could be a completely different yeah. story. I mean, that that would say something else. And I think what the interesting thing that Eugene talks about so much with darker men and something that always breaks my heart yeah. is that, dark, you know, like, oh, he was dark, but he didn't know he was handsome. Like most dark men that don't know they are right. handsome just breaks my heart yeah. because I know so many people like that. Yeah. They don't see their beauty. Yeah. And that's actually, again, I think, um, you know, what Dale has done really beautifully is actually really explore male masculinity in this mm -hmm. play. Uh, in ways that we don't normally, in a really sensitive way, mm -hmm. which is why you know it's written by a woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so just, true. It's, you know, it's just like, oh, she really gets that. The nuance is there. About that, yeah, you know? it's very true. And especially black men. Yeah. And it's just so like, uh, like, I remember early on, Robert, Eugene's dad, was yeah. just like, oh, he breaks my heart. Yes, because that line was about him, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it's about him. Yeah. And then also when he says, you know who told me that? That I was black and ugly? My daddy told me that. Yeah. It's, it's just... The cycle continues. Yeah, it goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it for me. But I do have some rapid-fire questions for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, first thing is, theater is for? Everyone. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, the thing people should know about Yellow Man is? It's still going on. The themes are still going on. Yeah. I love that. Um, this is, might be a hard one. Mm. Being black means, or being a, woman, a person of color means? I'm beautiful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I am. You are. You are. <laughs> Your skin, it's glowing. Uh, <laughs> okay, where can our audiences find you online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. Okay. What's your handle? At is the director. Is the director. Okay. Yeah. And I do have a website, okay. but I need to update it. I know. Your CV is from, like, 2015. I know. So I'm busy. I have had kids. Um, <laughs> no, yes. I, I, uh, my cousin, actually, is working on a new website for me. Amazing. You're going to need it after this. Everyone's going to yeah, be... Yeah, she's, she's going to make it much cooler because, you know, she's one of those young, hip people that can do those <laughs> kind of things. I'm so technologically ignorant. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and, mm -hmm. and then I'll be updating my... Um, What's website? your website? What's the URL? It is nancymedinadirector.com. And there's stuff there. There's pictures. There are, yeah, yeah. That really has not <laughs> been updated since 2015. You're so right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to, to point that out. I know. There's quite a lot of shows that have happened in the last two years <laughs> that are not on there. <laughs> um, and do you have any upcoming projects? What, when working, are we going to see Nancy next? I'm working on an NT Connections play because I work with students that are 16 to 18 in Bristol with mm -hmm. a company called Boom Satsuma. And we're doing a play by Natalie Mitchell called When They Go Low, which is a really great feminist play. Mm -hmm. It's all about um, this uh, photo that goes viral of this girl drunk at a party. Mm -hmm. And then this other girl in the school starts a feminist club at the school. Okay. And it's how much she's hated for starting that feminist club in the school. It's a really good play. It's, it's a, a new play. Yeah, it's a new play, and wow. it's all for, for people, you know, for young people uh -huh. to perform. So we're doing that in Bristol, and then we're doing it at the Sherman Theater. Very um, cool. So that's the next project I'm working on. And do you have, like, a a dream play that you'd like to stage or direct? Oh God, I've got a few. So many. <laughs> I've got a few. I've really got a few. But I will say there's two... <laughs> 
really, really big projects, and this is probably when I've got loads of money because I oh, no one will want to fund it but me. You never I, know. Put it out into the universe. Yeah, I really want to do 100 Years of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And it has been done as a stage, stage adaptation, mm-hmm. but I want to do my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a book um, by uh, Junot Diaz, who's Dominican, mm-hmm. and it's The Brief and Wondrous wondrous life of Oscar Wilde and it's amazing and I would love 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 to The Brief adapt. and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Very cool. It's a really fantastic novel. It actually won the Pulitzer a few years ago. Oh, okay. Was it the Pulitzer? Yeah, it won the Pulitzer a few years ago. It's a recent book. It's come out in like the last 5-6 years. And oh, I just really want to adapt it. Well, it's out in the world now. Yeah. So if anyone's listening to this that wants to produce it, <laughs> <Yeah>. contact me. <laughs> they know where to find you. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nancy. This is great. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Off Book by The Young Vic. If you'd like to hear more conversations with some of the most exciting people in theatre, subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, so we have a special guest in the building this week. Do you want to introduce yourself? No. Why not? Because I don't feel like it. You, you have to introduce yourself. Give the people what they want. Fair enough. <laughs> Kwame Kweyama. That's right. Soon to be the new AD. I'm so excited. We're so excited that you're here. Hi. Peace out. Gotta go. <laughs>